on, Brother Holy. Go on, bless us, Brother Holy. stand with me for the reading of the word. Wow. Sometimes all you can say is wow. Praise God for music on today. What a blessing. Even as you stand, find Hebrews chapter 12. So good to see so many faces in the house on this first Sunday of 2020. And um, I'm looking at Sister Brenda Rager who texted me a few days ago. Said, Pastor, I got hit by an 18-wheeler. And here she is standing in the middle aisle. Give God a little praise right there. Come on, come on. Can't keep a good woman down. Amen. And you're looking good, too. Amen. Salute you. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at the first couple of verses as well as the entirety of the chapter of Hebrews 12. Those that have found it, say, I've got it. Listen as I read from the Christian Standard Bible. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, All right. let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, 
He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let the people of God say amen. amen. I want to talk from the subject. Our first message of 2020 is entitled, The Power of Focus. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Heads about, eyes are closed. Father God, we thank you so much for all that we have experienced thus far. We give you glory for saving our soul. We give you glory for making us whole. Father, we just bless and praise and honor your name. Now, Lord, we hurriedly confess our sins and we confess them without any excuses. And Father, we ask for the promises of forgiveness and restoration found in your word. Now, Father, we ask even now that you move in this place as you've already done. That you just have your way with your word and with this preaching and teaching hour. Father, we ask right now that you would grant us clarity focus, that you'd allow us, Lord God, to see what we need to see in a way that only you can reveal it to us. We're so grateful for your word, Lord God. And so, Lord, we, we pause now to praise you, to glorify you. We pause now to honor you, to lift you up. We pause now and ask him that you would just give us intelligent attention for this hour. You are a wonderful God. We love you and we thank you for what you have done, are doing, and will do. This prayer we submit to you by faith in the name of Jesus. Let everybody say amen. amen. Praise God. Thank you so much, ushers, for all that you do. The power, power of focus. Our message moment at the top of your sermon notes or the big idea says this. When our focus is upon anything but Christ, we will miss our purpose and prolong our pain. Let me say that one more time. When our focus is upon anything but Christ, we will miss our purpose and prolong our pain. This passage for today is an extended metaphor, and it is comparing a race that runners run with how we live our lives. He's basically comparing a race with life. This passage is replete with references to endurance, patience, forward movement, pressing despite hindrances, and discipline. Somebody say discipline. discipline. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say discipline. discipline. See, for far too long, I examined this passage too closely, meaning I didn't back up far enough to fully understand the breadth and the the depth of what the author is communicating, the totality of what he is objectively communicating in this text. See, he wants believers 
to understand that despite the difficulty you may be experiencing and that difficulty brought about either by God's permissive or directive will, uh -huh. here is the principle. You must always maintain your focus. I'm, I'm preaching already. You must always maintain your focus. Help me preach this. Look at your neighbor and say, you must always, you must always maintain, maintain your, focus. your focus. See, beloved, much of what we deal with today is not a mean God trying to harm us, but in fact, it is a loving God trying to develop us. You, you missed that. It's not a mean God. He doesn't have it out for you. As a matter of fact, he is allowing these things to happen in your lives because he is attempting to develop us. And development is only meaningful when it is attached to affliction. See, this is the lesson I had to learn the last three or four months of my own life. See, in order for God to use you greatly, he has to humble you deeply. Say it, Doc. Say it again. Say it again, See, in order for you to go higher, God has to drop you low. The third verse in Hebrews chapter 12 says this, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, watch this, so that you won't grow weary and give up. See, in other words, Jesus went through so that we could overcome. Oh, I like that by myself. Jesus died so that we might live. Jesus worked it out so that all we would have to do is walk it out. Oh, preach, Pastor Brown. So, so I just stopped by here this morning, this first Sunday of 2020, simply to ask if you are ready to fulfill your calling, if you are ready to do what only you have been created to do. Now, if you're ready, runners, take your mark. Get set, and let's get ready to go. Run the race that you've been called to run. Do the one thing that only you have been gifted and called to do. Now, understand this. You're going to go through some stuff. They're going to talk about you like a dirty dog. They're going to walk away from you. They're going to talk more about you than they pray for you. But there is one who will not walk away. There is one who will never leave you nor forsake you on your mark. Get set. Let's get ready to go. So, so the word is focus. Somebody say focus. Come on, say focus. One more time, say focus. See, as we step boldly into 2020, I felt led to begin January with an emphasis on our annual theme of clarity. See, are we as a people of faith, as a local body of believers, even as members in our own families, we need to regain and to renew our focus. See, there's power in knowing where and upon whom to focus. That's why we're in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, again, it is a chapter written to help believers endure through difficulties and through being disciplined. So as we step forward towards our fulfillment, every single one of us is on a journey. We must focus upon the king and his kingdom. 
Ah, that's your word. That's your word, y'all. Focus upon the king and his kingdom. So, so the writer of Hebrews gives us a few things that believers have. Get ready to write. The first thing I see in this text is, watch this. We as believers have a God who's prepared us. Get that down. We have a God. We have a God. We have a God who's, who's prepared us. We have a God who has prepared us, a God who's prepared us. The writer has written to remind us that we did not get here by happenstance. Your life is not an accident nor an incident. You have been created, saved, and called to purpose. And so we have witnesses who surround us and a God who sustains us. Don't you realize that you are still here because God has purposes for your life. God allowed you to see 2020 because he willed it to be so. If your purpose had been fulfilled, you would not be in his presence. If you had done all that God needed you to do with the life that you've been given, you would already be in his presence. We are surrounded. Uh, when, when I wrote this, I, I remember, you know, how police officers come to a place where there's some bad people inside. And they say, you are surrounded. Come out with your hands up. And so I'm here to let you know that, that we are all surrounded. And if I'm not preaching by myself, is there a witness in the house? That's willing to come out with your hands up. Listen, just willing to just declare, Lord, I'm yours. Lord, my life is your life. I surrender, and I don't do it with a, with a negative disposition, but I lift my hands and glorify you so that you can use me. Somebody say, we're surrounded. Look at today and say, we're surrounded. In other words, get this, y'all. We have been set up to succeed. Get that down. We've been set up to succeed, set up, set up to succeed. God's, God's discipline upon our lives is a demonstration of his preparation and correction. Let me say that one more time. God's discipline upon our lives is a demonstration of both his preparation and his correction. He sees how we go astray. Oh, I know I'm preaching this to myself. He sees how at times we live in complete contradiction to his word. And his patience is his mercy in our very midst. I told you before that when my kids were real little and they had grabbed something I didn't want them to have, I would create a diversion, a distraction even. See, once I tempted them with something shiny, then I could grab what I didn't want them to have. Ah, beloved, see, many of us, we are in time out with God right now because we grabbed hold of the shiny stuff. We, we, we've allowed the enemy to mislead us into thinking that, that we are more smarter than God. And as a consequence, we are in places and spaces that God never intended us to be. Now, God has to whip us into obedience. He has to get us back into focus. 
And that's what the writer is communicating. And in Hebrews chapter 12, I tell you, I read this verse time and time again, this whole chapter, but I missed it. Listen to the instructive, corrective language. Look at verse 4, if you will. He says, in struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you're reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and punishes every son he receives. Verse 7, endure suffering as a discipline. God is dealing with you as sons for what son is there that a father does not discipline him? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live? Stop right there. Stop right there. So what the author is communicating is this. Watch this. God is preparing us now through the corrective measure of discipline to get us where he wants us to be. I, I know it's whipping you up, it's tearing you up, it's hurting. As a matter of fact, you limped into 2020, you trying to praise him, but the whipping that you've been getting, oh God, it's, it's, it's hard for you to really know what's happening because you are so far out of God's will, Stephen Brown, that you can't even see God, but I'm here to let you know that the lashes that you're getting, they're all a part of God's plan for your life. Y'all, we have a God who's prepared us. He's preparing us. And so his preparation is further manifested in the fact that secondly, we have believers who've preceded us. Get that down. We have believers, believers. I'm still in the text. Who preceded us. See, we shout about glory and we're contemplative when we talk about discipline. And see, for far too long, I preached the shouting part of Hebrews 12, and I've missed the disciplining part. Child of God, let me tell you something. You don't really know how to shout till you've come through the discipline of God. God when, 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 when you step out of God's will and you do stuff contradictory to his word, and then he whoops and tears that behind up, and then you find yourself getting back, and you throw your hands up. You'll throw your head back and shout glory. You'll, you'll sing and you will dance. But not only that, uh, uh, secondly, listen, we, we have believers. We have believers who've preceded us. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12. He says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, this cloud of witnesses is a direct reference to Hebrews chapter 11 where he, he communicates the old covenant saints. And so, but I need you to understand something that's important. These are witnesses not because they can see, but because they live their lives that bore witness to their faith in God. They ain't looking at us. That ain't scripture. But watch this. While they were here, they lived a life worthy to be called a witness. So, y'all, we are standing upon greatness. But watch this. Despite being surrounded by great witnesses, the writer never suggests 
that we ought to focus upon those witnesses. Oh, they, 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 let me try this out. Let me say it one more time. Despite the fact that we are surrounded by great witnesses, the writer never suggests that we are to focus upon those witnesses. Let me unpack it. The first thing that the text is teaching us is we have to learn our past. Get that down. We got to learn our past. We got to learn our past. Now, not, 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 we got to know it. We got to acknowledge it. But we cannot operate in it. And y'all, this, this has so many applications. Of course, we can deal with applications for the church, but we can also deal with applications for our lives. Y'all, listen, this is a whole new different child that we are dealing with. Y'all ain't got to say it, man. If you ain't got no grandkids, you don't know what I'm talking about. You got kids, you know what I'm talking about. Let me tell you something. Listen, this is a whole new different child. See, when I was coming up, I stepped out of line. There was no discussion. There was no, Stephen, tell me what you think about it. I ain't got no witnesses up in here. Stevie, tell me how you feel. I value your opinion, Stevie. See, when I was coming up, I don't think I've ever asked my mama one question. I sure ain't asked my daddy no questions. Y'all, there have never been any rebuttals in my home. So, understanding that we have to consider in 2020 doing things differently. It's, ah, you got you to learn, you got to learn, you got to learn your past. But then secondly, don't live. In the past, oh God! See, see, you know, I I, I have some calendars in, in 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 my office, and 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 I didn't realize that they they they're, they're old. So what, what Simone didn't realize, she she just put the calendar back on January. She just folded it back up and put it back on January. But it was January 2019. Y'all y'all catch this? Y'all catch this? If I go by the calendar on my wall, this January, it's, it's, this is January. But the year is 2019 on the calendar. And see, what I'm trying to get you to understand is some of us, oh, God, we, we, we've got calendars, and, and, but we're using the old calendars. And when you use the old calendar, your days are going to be off. Your, your Saturday ain't going to be the right Saturday. You're going to have the wrong number of Mondays. Do you understand what I'm saying? So although he acknowledges this cloud of witnesses, he never suggests that we ought to focus upon them. See, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a history buff. I'm, I'm quite nostalgic. I love reflecting on history, on my lineage, on where I've come from. But my primary reason for doing so is to learn from it not to live in it. Oh, God. This is what I've been dealing with last few months, y'all. A lot is working on me. See, being surrounded is a fact. 
living life facing our past with our backs to our future is a choice. Let me say that one more time. Being surrounded, that's a fact. But living with your back towards your future is a choice. See, many of us here today want church the way it used to be. Keep saying amen. Come on. Don't don't get quiet now. Mm -hmm. And we fail to realize that if we don't make progress in how we do church, then we will cease to be a viable church. I didn't make this up. Jesus, Jesus, in his parable dealing with old wineskins, I'm using Luke chapter 5's reference, verse 36. He also told them a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. Otherwise, not only will he tear the new, but also the piece from the new garment will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. It will spill and the skins will be ruined. No, new wine is put into fresh wine skins. And no one after drinking old wine wants new because he says the old is better. So in this parable, Jesus is comparing things that don't match. He had been confronted about his disciples not fasting. And Jesus said, listen, feasting and fasting don't match. We're sitting here having a good time celebrating and fellowshipping. This is not the time to fast. They got me here. Now this is when you feast. There'll be time to fast. Feasting and fasting don't match. But then he goes on to say two more things. He says, a new patch and an old garment don't match. I'm going to preach this to myself. He gives a third one. He said, watch this, new wine and old wine skins don't match. See, Jesus wanted them to understand the value of appreciating the newness of God. Jesus is coming with new revelation. But the Pharisees want that old wine. And as a consequence, Jesus says, y'all, you are going to miss what I'm doing. Why? Because you're living in the past. Mr. Joseph Walker helps me with this. Mr. Joseph Walker told this illustration on New Year's Eve, powerful illustration. He says the two friends were traveling in, in one of the friend's new car. And they were just they were admiring this new car. And the other friend said, man, I brought some music for our road trip. I got this, I got that, I got that. He said, man, that is, he said, that's a fantastic music collection. Let me see what you got. Brother opened up his case and pulled out all these cassette tapes. So the friend that's driving said, bro, let me tell you something. If you don't convert your collection to this digital dispensation, you will only be able to enjoy your music at your house. Oh, God, and what I'm trying to get you to understand and what the writer is trying to get you to understand, watch this. Yes, we have been blessed with believers who have preceded us, but we are to learn from them, but we got to still live in the present age. And y'all, if we don't adjust, if we don't augment our parenting, our marital relationships, our church, y'all, we're going to be dysfunctional. That's a word for somebody. Because you're trying to hold on to that past. You playing that old music. You want things to go back to where they used to be. 
This is also the danger of trying to make America great again. Huge danger there. Because, again, there is this desire to have things the way they used to be. Let me tell you something. You can't have it the way it used to be. I ain't got no help up in here. Now, you can pull some principles from how it used to be, but if you had it the way it used to be, you'd have to go back in the past. The writer says we have a God who's prepared us, believers who've preceded us, but the text is moving. He says, thirdly, we have a path that's before us. Y'all getting quiet on me. Say a path that's before us. The text says, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Now, remember, the writer has created a metaphor comparing a race with our very lives. This race cannot be run or won with excess baggage, with divided interests with a poor disposition toward God about his correction and his discipline. So this text is speaking to me in the physical. And the language of the text suggests laying aside impediments. Hmm. Excess weight. Y'all, I got to start by losing five pounds. I ain't got no witnesses up in here. I got to start with, I need a small victory. Amen. I got to start with five. You ever saw a picture of your head and trying to figure out whose head it was? I got one witness on the front row. Yeah, I got to start with five. Excess. back. See, when you have excess, your clothes don't fit right. I ain't got no help up in here. Your energy level is low. And to make matters worse, you even lose the desire to live in a healthy way. This is what excess does to us. It impedes, it it hinders, it prevents us from living the lives that God desires us to live. In the same way that that weight won't let you go without a fight, The same is with sin. Sin entangles our affairs. It confuses things. It takes us, there it is, off focus. Remember that dating relationship? It was fine until you stepped outside of God's will. I ain't got no witnesses. Is my mic on? Okay, I thought so. The moment you introduced sin to the situation, all hell broke loose. The minute you introduced a component that was out of God's will for you and the other individual, that is when all hell broke loose. I'm talking about that down there, children. And when you allow for the enemy to dictate your relationships, you can expect chaos. Let, let, let me unpack this. So, so we say we have a path 
We have a path that's, that's before us. Our alignment determines our attainment. I'm preaching to myself this morning. Our, our alignment determines our attainment. See, there are levels we cannot reach with sin in our back pocket. I see, here's what happens, y'all. Listen. We get so comfortable with sin that even when the pastor preaches about sin, we think it's about our neighbor. And, and some of y'all taking notes like this. Beloved, we must align our lives with that of a holy God. It's the only way. He said, let us lay aside every hindrance. And so the hindrance in the text deals with sort of a lack of faith and a lack of trusting that God's way is the best way, a lack of believing that God's discipline really is what's going to get me to where God wants me to be and the sin. That so easily ensnares us, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Y'all, that text will preach by itself. So what he's suggesting is when we follow the path that's been laid before us scripturally, we place ourselves under the authority and will of God for our lives. Hmm. When we are under the umbrella of his will, we get all that he wants us to have. We experience all that he wants us to experience. We achieve all that he wants us to achieve. Now understand, this ain't perfection. This is pressing. Paul says, I press toward the mark. I, I press towards that that God has called me to. <coughs> the bottom line is, it's focus. Somebody say focus. focus. See, I've watched how church culture has bought into world culture. Don't look at your neighbor. Look at me. Amen. We bought into world culture. We transfer what we see digitally into our lives physically. Mm, this, this is a book right here. We, we make provisions for the world in our relationships in our marketplace positions, in, in the rearing and raising of our children, in our dating relationships, in our marital relationships. We, we fall for their illogical logic. And we sign up for annual subscriptions to their foolishness. We'll take what someone says in the world over what the Word of God says any day. We believe it hook, line, and sinker. And then when we do that, we only discover that we've got followers and friends, but we are completely out of alignment with God and His will for our life. That's why you're going through the difficulty that you're going through. That's why <clears throat> as soon as you put $5 in the bank, you owe seven. <clears throat> that, that's why your relationships are driving you plumb crazy because you are out of alignment got the cloak of Christianity, but not the heart of God. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, there are only two kinds of people 
Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. Only two kinds. And you get to determine which one you'll be. Here's a review. We're almost done. He says, the God who's prepared us, believers who preceded us, a path that's before us. Look at verse 2. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Oh, I like that. Don't you, Sister Fanny? That's, that's some good stuff. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We have a God who's prepared us, a believers who have preceded us, a path that's before us, but then finally we have a Savior who's guided us. Church folk don't know when to shout. The mere reading of those verses ought to make you throw your hands up. The mere hearing, the, the mere hearing the words of verse 2 ought to make you just be overcome with joy and appreciation. He says, keeping our eyes. Focus to look to, watch this, undistractedly. That's the tenor and tone of that phrase, undistracted looking. It's like, it's like a firmly fixed gaze where, where, you're, where you're examining something and you're not going to allow anything else to interfere with what you're focused. It's like, have you seen kids on their devices? Have you seen them on, when they're on those? I, the, the house, it could be getting burglarized. Uh, uh. And they got that. He says, to look away from everything else, to focus on the one. He says, keeping our eyes on Jesus. What are we looking at? First of all, we're looking at his faith. Get that down. His faith. He is your faith source. So we draw our faith from him because he is the model of faith. Jesus. Oh, God. Jesus. Nothing more. Nothing less. Nothing else. Jesus. Oh, I wish church folk knew how to praise God. Jesus. Keeping our eyes. Somebody say his faith. But not only his faith, secondly, his joy. See, right there in verse 2, he, he helps us to understand. Listen, there are some... There are some things that we experience and receive from Christ that we will get from none other, not only his faith, but his joy. The, the text is so powerful. It says, watch this, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. See, he looked past, oh God, the cross. As a matter of fact, he looked beyond the cross. And, and he could see Stephen Greg Brown. 
receiving the gift of salvation, watch this, somewhere around 1984, 85. He, he could see past the cross. And he can see those, those, those of you whose grandmother sat you down and prayed over you and laid, laid hands on you. He, he could see past the cross. And, and he, can, he can watch you generationally share the gospel with your family and friends. I'm talking about Jesus. So right now you're going through and you can't see it because you are out of alignment. But if you would get your focus back on Jesus, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. But Jesus, somebody say his faith. Come on, say his faith. Say his joy. But then thoroughly, I see in the text, I see his courage. His courage, his courage, his courage. Now, now understand, courage is not the, the absence of, of faith. But courage says, all I got is faith. That's what he's given to us. You ain't got to try to figure this stuff out. You just got to start taking some steps towards your destiny. See, when you walk towards your destiny, you're walking away from foolishness. Oh, I ain't got no witnesses up in here. Courage, courage. Jesus faced what was facing him, and he did so with courage by faith. According to the Father's will. I'm finished. I'm finished. But I see, I see his faith. I see, I see his joy. I, I see his courage. But then the text says now he is seated at the right hand. Oh, God, this is so powerful. The writer is so powerful. He doesn't leave any room for negotiation, debate, or discussion as to what Jesus did and where Jesus is. Here it is. The, the last thing we see is his glory. <laughs> see, now. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. But watch this. He is interceding, says Romans chapter 8. So, so what he is doing is he is pronouncing permissive blessings upon all of our lives. Those of us who receive the gift of salvation, the Lord, the Lord Jesus himself is saying, she's on my side. He's on my side. I, I got her covered. As a matter of fact, when he intercedes for us, he helps the Father to see the blood that covers us. Y'all, this passage, this passage, this passage, it is an extended metaphor. Oh, God. Comparing a race with life. It is replete with references to endurance, patience, forward movement. Watch this. Making progress despite the hindrances of life. Hmm. It was the Winter Olympics. No, the Spring Olympics, Summer Olympics in 2016. Summer Olympics. Women's 400-meter race. It was the finals. U.S.'s Allison Felix was attempting to set a world record with another gold medal. And she was one of the favorite to win. She was, she was, she was a bomb.com. Love, Allison Felix. But Allison didn't factor in this young lady named Shanae Miller. She's from the Bahamas, and this girl was bad too. The whole race, Miller won the race. The whole race, Miller was winning. They got around that last turn. Felix found her help, y'all. I was just rooting for Felix. I knew she was going to pull it out. In the last five meters, Felix had caught up with Shanae Miller. But they got to the finish line, and Miller did something that was unprecedented. 
something that was unexpected. Oh, God. Miller stretched. God, I feel this by myself. And she dove across the finish line. Had she not stretched, she would not have won. See, what I've discovered about my own life is that the Father in heaven, he's stretching me. He's aiming me. He's guiding me towards my destiny. Have I got a witness? But I'm here to let you know that we're not the first ones who've been stretched. As a matter of fact, a songwriter says, they hung him high, they stretched him wide. He hung his head, and for me he died. Is there a witness in the house that can testify that my God will supply all of our needs? But you gotta be stretched. You gotta focus. You gotta know where God is taking you. So in 2020, I need about 25 witnesses who are ready to declare, I'm getting my focus back. I'm claiming the promises of Almighty God. I'm determined to press toward the mark to win the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If you love him, if you know him, if you're glad about it, say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Come on and bless the Lord in this house. Come on and bless the Lord in this house. In 2020, we're going to get our focus back. In 2020, we're going to be stretched in every area of our lives. We're going to stretch in our faith. We're going to we're going to be stressed and in our family relationships. We're going to be stressed in how we serve because it's through the stretching that we get the victory. Give God a hand of praise. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, everyone, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet right where you are. Before anybody moves, I want you to bow right where you are. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're comfortable, if you're able, grab your neighbor by the hand. Come on, only if you're comfortable and able. Grab your neighbor by the hand. Right where you are. Come on, come on. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, we thank you for this tremendous word on today. Father, we see ourselves all up in this word. We understand full well, Lord, what it looks like now to experience the power of focus. Father, as we heard the message and read the passage, it was clear that, Lord, many of us are off focus. So, Father, we stand with humbled hearts, holding our neighbor's hand, praying not only for ourselves, but for our neighbor. Oh, God, we need you right now. Oh, God, we need you right now. Father, we need you to help us to be focused. To keep our eyes on Jesus. 
Lord, there's so many things that have gotten our attention. So many things that have just gotten us off focus. Father, we've overlooked the reality and the power that you've prepared us. You've given us believers who've preceded us, that cloud of witnesses. You've given us a path that's before us that we must humbly and faithfully follow. But then you gave us a Savior who's guided us. Lord, you have set us up to succeed. And so it's our responsibility to walk in obedience. Lord, right now, even as we pray, several of us are just going through difficulty. We just don't know what's going on, Father. And we've overlooked the fact of how entangling sin can be. And Father, we didn't realize it, but we got hooked up and we went for the shiny stuff. And Lord, as a consequence, the enemy has snatched some blessings from our very lives. Lord, we can't climb higher with sin in our back pocket. So, Father, we confess. We repent in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I know some of us are so entangled, we ain't even ready to repent. But, Lord, I pray that you continue to do a work of discipline and correction on us. Your word has communicated that you only correct those that you love. That's the love of a father. So, Father, help us to embrace and receive our correction. And then help us to be made better. Now, Father, 2020 is waiting on us. 2020 is waiting on us, Lord. Help us as a church family to be ready for the newness of this season. Father, help us not to get bogged down with trying to recreate what once was. But Father, help us to look forward to the newness. You doing a new thing, Lord God. You're always up to something new. It doesn't throw away the old. As a matter of fact, the good new stuff knows how to merge the two. But even in doing so, the message is never compromised. So Father, help us by faith to walk into this new season, new season of relationships, new season of parenting, new season of how we do church, new seasons, Lord. We glorify you. We bless you. Thank you for meeting us here this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let everybody say amen. Come on, put those.